Morning Sermon Audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. The members in his church approached him about making a generous pledge in this next year because there was a big project coming up. And the man replied to his pastor, look, pastor, I've already got many obligations. Uh, did you know that the farm that my father owns is about to be uh, foreclosed on by the bank? And did you know that my mother needs surgery, a very expensive surgery? Oh, I'm so sorry, said the pastor. I didn't know you were going through these troubles. And also, the man continued, my brother-in-law, did you hear how he was badly injured in a car accident last week? And he needs reconstructive surgery and all kinds of rehabilitation and physical therapy. And my brother himself is, is buried in credit card debt. He has to come up with the money by Tuesday or else he goes to jail. The pastor was now embarrassed that he did, had no idea that all this had happened in the last week to his member about all these tragic circumstances. So he just turned and said, I'm sorry for taking up your time. Um, I apologize. And he started to walk away. But the wealthy man was not quite finished. And now, pastor, if I'm not going to give a single dime to even one of my family members, what makes you think I'm going to give to the church? <laughs> we are about to enter a season of thanksgiving and of giving. And so I thought it appropriate to talk about generosity. Now, when I say generosity, most of the time we think of all the material things uh, that uh, we can give away or financial wealth. When I think of, when I say thanksgiving, oftentimes we think of, again, the material things we can be thankful for. But being thankful and being generous are not only about material things and financial gifts and ways that we can support others. So we're going to talk today about financial generosity. Excuse me, we're going to talk next week about, a bit about financial generosity. But uh, generosity is something that really begins at the root of it with an understanding of how generous God has been with us. And I believe that generosity is an area that every one of us as Christians can grow in. You know, it's one of those things like, like humility. Um, once you have reached a, a certain level of humility, uh, you get recognized for it. And then all of a sudden, everything that you had been working towards and being humble suddenly becomes a boast and we have to start all over again. Well, with generosity, sometimes we, we give a large part and it even hurts. Um, but then once we have learned to give that amount, then we realize, well, I really could actually give even some more. Uh, so generosity is something I believe that all of us as Christians can be more Christ-like in. And so today, we're focusing on what generosity is rooted in and how it's rooted in God's generous grace towards us, and how it's evident in our lives through the way that we surrender ourselves to Him. And so I invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I, I encourage all of you to always bring your Bibles to church. We're taking a little break from the book of Matthew um, and uh, focusing on this Christmas season and Thanksgiving season, first on generosity, and then, of course, with Christmas coming up and Advent, uh, we'll be focusing on hope and peace and love and joy. But so 2 Corinthians, beginning in chapter 8, and Paul here takes a completely different tack after he's been uh, speaking about their suffering and uh, about not being uh, yoked with unbelievers. Then he begins in chapter 8 by saying this, beginning in verse 1, And now, brothers, 
we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So then he begins to describe this grace. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So last Sunday, we talked a little bit about this passage because we had looked in the book of Matthew and looked at chapter 20, where Jesus spoke about the first shall be the last and uh, spoke about the treasures uh, that we can expect the rewards because we have willingly sacrificed everything here on earth. So we touched upon this last week. So today, we're going to take a little bit closer look at it. And notice that God's grace was evident in the Macedonians through their generosity and that they were generous despite a severe trial and despite the fact that they were going through extreme poverty. They considered contributing to the needs of the apostles and the saints in Jerusalem to be not a burden but a privilege and they were urgently pleading to participate in that. That kind of generosity doesn't come naturally, it doesn't come from our flesh, but it is a result of the fact that the God's grace was given to the Macedonian churches and they responded in this way. So our willingness to pour out of our own resources simply to benefit others is also a reflection of Christ and his generosity to us. And so to encourage the Corinthian church to be generous with their gifts, just as the Macedonians had, he reminds them of Christ's grace. In verse 8, he says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. See, in fact, Paul was actually encouraging the Corinthians to go ahead and complete a promise that they had made some time before during a previous visit. During that visit, they had been eager to participate in assisting the saints in Jerusalem, and they had been ready to give, and they were enthusiastic. In fact, as Paul says here, he, that, uh, they were among the first to desire even to give. And the Corinthian church was Paul's boast to the Macedonians. So he wants them now, the Corinthians, to bring to completion this act of grace and to excel in this grace of giving. And in this way, I believe, too, we're encouraged to mature in generosity, this grace of giving. See, we might grow in faith as we have to learn to trust God for a difficult, through a difficult circumstance. Maybe we'll mature in our speech as we learn to speak the truth and put away lying. We grow wiser through the word as we increase our knowledge. We may also become more earnest and diligent to serve and devoted to one another and our love may grow. And he says all of these things excel in, but also excel in this grace of giving. So we're incomplete, in other words, in our Christian maturity until we're also excellent in being generous. So 
What do we learn then from the Macedonians? We're not going to read uh, all of the rest of this chapter, but let me give you a summary of what Paul is saying as he teaches them about giving financially. He begins by saying, understand first of all, the grace of God that was demonstrated in Macedonia. And see in their example how first they gave themselves to the Lord. And also he wants us to appreciate the grace of God demonstrated through the Lord Jesus Christ. It all begins with us appreciating the grace shown to us. And as we grow in the grace, it's a result of us experiencing how lavish God's grace has been on us. So as we give, as he instructs the uh, Corinthians, we should give at least as much as we're able, perhaps even giving more than we're able. So if our gifts are just a small percentage of what we're able to give, well, certainly then we have a lot of room to grow. If what we give away is a large percentage, then we're closer to where we should be. There's an old saying that says you should give until it hurts and then give a little more. So we should also give willingly as he continues to instruct them here by our own initiative, not because an appeal is being made. Sometimes we give because we're responding and that's wonderful. Uh, but we really ought to have this attitude that we should be looking for opportunities, have already committed what we own and what we have uh, and realize that I don't need all of this and then be ready to give as soon as we hear of an opportunity, looking for places to give. It's just a completely different mindset than just only being responsive uh, to what needs may be around us. And then as Paul also commends them for, to consider the privilege to serve others, not a burden or a duty. Sometimes our motive might be guilt or pity or duty, and more of that in part two of this series. But when we learn to give simply because it's a privilege to serve others, then we begin to have God's heart. So give beyond what's expected of you, also because you have first given yourselves to the Lord to do what God wants. And he also reminds them that when we give to supply the needs of others, it's just really a small part of our lives that we've already given all of to the Lord as well. Some of us tend to think of our possessions as they belong to me. Well, I ask you this, how did you obtain them? You might say, well, I earned my way. Okay, well then let me ask you this, how were you able to earn your way to those possessions? Who gave you life and abilities and sight and strength? So really, nothing that we own, we can really say, it's truly mine. So grow in this grace of giving generously by making a habit of giving and responding, of course, to the needy and, and giving more and more each time, simply because God has already poured out His grace into you to make us more like Him. So how generous has God been with His grace to you? Generous at all? Well, most certainly. Well, then, how do you appreciate His grace? Well, hopefully, every day, more and more so. Well, then I ask you this, have you surrendered yourself to Him? Because your generosity towards others will reveal the extent to which you or I have surrendered ourselves to Him. So let's remember, first of all, that we appreciate, or when we appreciate God's generous grace, then it plays out in our lives through being generous with others. But what else does he say? I want to invite you to go a little bit further in 2 Corinthians, excuse me, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because I want us to see that being generous isn't only about our material wealth. 
Sure, we'll focus a little bit more about that next week, but today I want to focus a little bit more about other ways that God has been generous with us and how we can demonstrate our appreciation through gener generosity towards others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, Paul again takes a different tack. He's just been talking about the Lord's Supper, and then now he wants to talk about spiritual gifts. Verse 1 of chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians, now about spiritual gifts, brothers. I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Now you're wondering, well, what does this have to do with grace? Well, that's what I'm here to tell you. Do you realize that when God uses the word here of a gift, He's speaking of what is in Greek called the charismata, or in plural, gifts. And charismata, the, the uh, origin of that word, or the, the root of that word, is the word for grace, charis. It is by charis you have been saved through faith, from Ephesians 2.8. And where sin increased, charis increased all the more. And so when the Bible speaks of these gifts, he's speaking of charismata, speaking of the free gifts that we receive from God. The wages of sin is death, but the charisma of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And for God's charismata or His gifts are, and His call are irrevocable. Do not neglect your charisma or gifts which were given to you. And in 2 Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the charisma or the gifts of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So the New Testament does have a different word for gift, doron, but charis conveys, as the dictionary says, a sense of favor, especially the undeserved favor of God toward man. And this undeserved favor of God toward man is what we in English we call grace. Some of you might be thinking of the word charity because it's kind of spelled the same, charis, charity. But charity, according to the dictionary, is actually from a Latin word caritas, which means love. So it's not quite the same, but I find it at least helpful for us to kind of think of the two the same because I think, when, when I think of charity, which means love, and I think of charis, which means grace and giving, I think that of the, how we're motivated to be generous because we love. Um, charity is the English word which comes from the, the Latin, which whenever it, the Greek is translated agape. 
And when Paul speaks to Timothy, he says, the grace of our Lord, the charis of our Lord, was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and agape, or charity, that are in Christ Jesus. So we should bear in mind that there are special gifts given to us by the Spirit because of God's grace. These are really grace gifts that have been given to us. And when knowing then that God has graciously given us some special gifts, we have to make a conscious decision about whether we're going to keep these gifts to ourselves or if we're going to use them for their intended purpose. Because your and my natural or fleshly response with anything given to us is to hold on to it. We'd like to keep it to ourselves. That's our natural fleshly response, and that's because greed is part of the fall of man. When we sinned, turned our backs against God, our flesh and what's natural to us is anything that's given to us we want to keep. Christmas is always so exciting because there's all kinds of presents that we get to have and to keep. When we're always told again and again that Christmas is really about giving to others, right? But what's most natural is to keep what we're given until, of course, we're transformed. Transformed by the outpouring of God's grace on our lives. So that rather than seeking to satisfy the desire for more, now we realize we have all that we need and instead we begin to give. See, ironically, it's only when we discover the joy of giving that we're truly satisfied. Because the greedy are never satisfied. They think if I hoard, if I keep to myself, then eventually I'll be satisfied. But they never are. And not until we receive the wisdom from the Lord, especially what we find in the book of Proverbs, revealing the wisdom on generosity to help us see that one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. And in our high school life group, we've been looking at the Proverbs, and we especially studied this last week, what the Proverbs say about generosity. And one of the things we like to do in our high school life group, I'm not in high school, by the way, I'm the one leading the group. Um, because the Proverbs are written in Hebrew, oftentimes they're not very catchy sayings. They don't rhyme, the words don't kind of f flow very easily because we'd have to be reading Hebrew for us to understand these, these Proverbs, right? You remember Proverbs because they're kind of witty, they're short, uh, they rhyme perhaps. So what we try to do sometimes in our high school life group is to come up with an English version. Well, we came up with one on generosity. Are you ready for it? All right. This is our proverb written about generosity. If you're greedy, you'll be needy. But charity leads to prosperity. Make sense? Will that be easy to remember? If you're greedy, you'll be needy, but charity leads to prosperity. There you go. And the, what the scriptures are telling us is that we have been given these special gifts of the Spirit, divinely bestowed upon us because of God's grace. And the question for us then is, how do we respond? Because God's gener generous grace has been demonstrated by the fact that He's given us these spiritual gifts. Well, what are we supposed to do with them? Well, read on in verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. And so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
And then he goes on to say, if the foot says, I'm not the hand, therefore I shouldn't be part of the body. So all of this is to say that the believers, you and I, are just like the parts of a body. We're members of the body of Christ. And like the body, there are different parts that fulfill different functions. As it says in verse 6 there, there are, we have different charismata according to the charis given us. And if a man's charis is prophesying, then let him use it in proportion to his faith. And on and on he goes. So the church is just like Christ with one body and many parts. And Christ is the same way, one body, many parts. And we are all baptized by that same spirit into that one body. It applies to all believers, regardless of your race or your status. It applies to you regardless of time or era. And we were all given to drink of the same spirit. So since God's spirit is manifested through the parts of his body, then Paul gives us instructions about these gifts. And there's three things I want us to take away with us today. Number one, that there's a variety. So God's at work with his power in our lives in a variety of ways. We're each gifted differently. It is the same spirit who has given us this spiritual gift, but there is a variety of gifts. And some would call this list in um, 1 Corinthians the charismatic gifts. There's a list in Romans considered the motivational gifts. And this list is probably not exhaustive, but rather ad hoc about what um, Paul is saying are the, the Spirit's gifts to us. And, and the point is that we can all serve in a variety of ways, but it's still the same Lord that we're serving. We can be active in different ways, but it's the same God that works in all of His people. And can you imagine a world without variety? How boring that would be if you went to buy a car and there's only one model available and one car and one color. Or if you were looking for shoes and there's only one size of shoes out there available. Or let's say you were interested in some ice cream and you go up to the counter and they ask you, what would you like? And there's only one flavor to choose from. Right? Or you go to a hairdresser to get a haircut and they can only do one kind of haircut. Sounds a little bit like communism, doesn't it? Uh, sorry, no offense, I hope. But the, so not only is it there's a variety of gifts, but notice also why they are given. In verse 7 it says, To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for your own ego and benefit. Wait a minute. No, wait a minute. That's not what it says, does it? It says the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the gift that you've been given by God's generous grace is not for your ego and benefit, for your own self-confidence and praise. It is for the building of the body of Christ. The world may elevate the individual. The world might say it's all about you. But in the church, it's all about Christ and his church. We have to move away from selfish ambition and vain conceit by exercising the spiritual gift given to us in order to build the church. And he goes on to say, don't desire one gift over another because all of it is for the common good. So some gifts are for those who are up front and others, uh, perhaps you can distinguish them from the others and others are perhaps made for places of leadership. Some gifts enable them to make more noise than others, but they're intended for the common good. And so finally, the third thing about it is that each part of the body has its purpose and function and should be used. 
He desires for his gifts to be appreciated and used. And that's why he's given us this variety of gifts and especially to, uh, informed us that it should be used for the common good. So as we are unified as his body, only then do we glorify Christ. And the Holy Spirit is best seen among us when each of us are doing different tasks based on the gifting that we've been given. When the many parts function properly together, then the teachers will be teaching, the physical needs within and without will be addressed, the gospel will be preached, worship will be raised in heaven or heavenward, and encouragement and comfort will be spread to all those who need it. And the world begins to notice when we begin to shed aside barriers like age and race and uh, culture and language to glorify and demonstrate our allegiance to Christ much, more, much higher than any political leaning we might have. So let us praise God for his great wisdom to distribute the gifts in a variety of ways and let us praise him for the gift that he's given you. So although we might immediately think of giving money when we say being generous and giving, I want us to understand what Paul is saying here is that first you give of yourself and the gift that you've been given, a spiritual charismata given to you has been given specifically to build up the church. And it means that you dedicate all of yourself, your talents, your gifts, your abilities, your resources, all for his purpose. Have you already done that? Have you already dedicated yourself to God, especially in consideration of how he gave his only begotten son for you, how he shed his grace and sacrificed his, great, his precious son for you? Because the Bible says that you are not your own, you were bought at a price. You were redeemed not with perishable things like silver or gold, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I ask you now with the variety of gifts that you've been graciously given to God, of these gifts, which do you think you have? Is it teaching or serving, exhorting, or is it giving? What passions do you have? What's, what's the burden on your heart? Um, are you burdened for the lost? Are you particularly sympathetic to those who are abused or alone? Are you passionate about prayer? What are some of the talents and abilities you're gifted with? For some, it's musicianship. For others, it's definitely not musicianship. <laughs> for some, it's numbers. And for others, it's definitely not numbers. For some, it's organization. Others, it's memory. For some, it's dexterity. Some have similar abilities, just to varying degrees. So what particular abilities distinguish you from others? And then I ask you, what about your personality? Because that's also something that God has given you, your temperament. Sure, you can maybe pigeonhole it into a particular, you know, personality test, but, there's, but personality is, is so diverse and so different. Uh, are you among the enthusiastic? Are you among the practical? Are you decisive? Are you sensitive? Perhaps you may be the quiet type. And then finally, what experiences has God sovereignly allowed in your life and graciously brought you through to equip you to be able to comfort and encourage others? All of that is basically your shape, your spiritual gift, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. How does God want you, you to use your shape to build up his body. Because when we speak of generosity, 
It isn't just opening up your wallet and giving away of your material wealth. It's first to give yourself to the Lord because he has given you so much. Not only has he saved you for heaven, but he saved you for himself. So are you doing everything you're supposed to be doing? Because if you aren't, then we as a church cannot do everything we're supposed to be doing as a church. We at least know from the scriptures that as a church, we should be worshiping, we should be fellowshipping, we should be serving, we should be learning as disciples, and we should be proclaiming the gospel. At least in those five areas, we should be very active. Worship and fellowship, ministry, discipleship, and evangelism. We may never reach perfection in all of those areas, but that's what God wants to do with his church. And if we as a church are not doing what God wants to do, then it's probably because individually we're just sitting back and watching it all happen instead of using the gift that God has given. So perhaps your lack of involvement, or maybe not lack of involvement, but perhaps the, the fact that you're not as involved as you could be, could be a, a reason that we as a church haven't moved closer in the direction that we could have moved because God's grace gifts, as we see, should be celebrated in his church by appreciating them and using them. So let me quickly review and wrap this up. So only when we really appreciate God's grace upon our lives, only then will we be truly generous. So begin there by just reflecting again of how gracious God has been to us. And then God demonstrates or proves that he's generous with his grace because he's given us charismata, these grace gifts, these spiritual gifts. And we then will manifest God's generous grace as members of a body called the church. And then we'll also exalt God's generous grace by dedicating all that we are to him. All of your shape is dedicated to him. So it should be evident and it should be exalted through our lives that God has been generous with us. So consider the grace of God in your life. I trust that you already believe that Christ has died for your sins and has given you eternal life. So appreciate once again where you've come from, the sins that he has forgiven you of. Consider again that he has gifted you abundantly with a particular spiritual gift and with a particular passion and ability and personality and experience that you can use. Only question that remains is, what are you going to do with his gifts? Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we bow before you, we acknowledge that we can only come into your presence because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. That through his cross we have been redeemed, purchased by his blood, forgiven of our sins, and given eternal life. Thank you, Lord, that um, even the vilest of us who have sinned are welcomed into your presence because of Jesus' blood. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who truly celebrate, appreciate, um, stand in awe of that wonderful grace. And I trust, Lord, that when we are truly in awe of it, that very naturally we'll be outward-oriented, looking for ways to show your grace to others. So, Lord, I pray you make this church everything that it's supposed to be. Uh, convict us, Lord, where it is that we have been misusing or uh, keeping our gifts to ourselves. And we pray, Lord, that for each of us, we'd sense in our own hearts what it is that you're asking us 
to surrender to you, whether it's financial gifts and material wealth or it's spiritual uh, things. We entrust it all to you, Lord, because it all comes from you and it all belongs to you. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBC CPH. Thank you for listening.